this is the time. You know, we hit a thousand followers on Instagram and we're like, should we put out our most chaotic episode ever? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> time for that, right? Uh, Welcome to the pod. Where we hate spinnerbait, but we love Betsy Bin's belly button. I'm, I'm not sure I said her name right, but I think that's what it is. We love it. We love her <laughs> belly button and we love her basic white girl pop music. Oh and if God. you did tune in to listen to my Taylor Swift review, prepare yourself. But first, gentle reminder hi, I'm Bethany. And with me, as always, of course, is Michael Ann. Michael Ann, you had a big weekend. You had your bridal shower. You looked absolutely gorgeous, as Taylor Swift saying at my show. And not to brag, but you know. Um, and it looked like a good time. Uh, how 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 be things? <laughs> things are good. I'm still recovering from my busy weekend. I was following my sister around, who is the mother a mother of two. <laughs> And it was like nonstop. We were nonstop going to sports, going to schools, mothers going to amazing. games. It was like, That's oh my gosh. We are. I was like, how do you do this? About I'm exhausted. To have Mother's but. Day. Well, Mother's Day will have passed by the time this episode comes out. But Mother's Day, Mother's Day just passed, y'all. And I hope that you all said very nice things to your mothers because they deserved it. <laughs> Which I know is ironic, considering in this podcast, all the moms are terrible in these books. But you know. <laughs> I hope everyone's mom had a great day. And if you're a mom, I hope you had a great day too. Yeah, I told everyone before we get into the recap, we took that week off. A lot has happened in that week, um, including me forgetting like where we were in the book for a minute. I'm not going to lie to you all. I, it's a true story, went to do this week's <laughs> reading and I knew that we only did the first few chapters, but I started reading chapter four because like in my mind we had read the first three and then reading chapter four in the beginning of chapter four like you really wouldn't have known you missed anything and all of a sudden I was like shit I'm like halfway through chapter four and I'm like shit I think we stopped at chapter two and I should probably go back and read chapter three so my reading this week was a little wonky <laughs> but that's what the most glorious Taylor Swift concert of your life will do to you it'll just it'll change your life Everyone, she did it. She did High Infidelity on April 29th, as we all suspected. And it was legendary. Like, we we all knew it was coming. And yet, so, like, me and Katie, my friend who I went with, if you haven't been listening to the show, where I've been blabbing about that I'd be going with her. And so, we're, like, in the stands. And we're, like, okay, what if she, like, sexed this out? She does it as the second surprise song. So, we all are, like, oh, no. We're, like, what if she does two surprise songs and then comes out for an encore? And it's, like, we have so many different theories. And she didn't, like, make us stress. She did it as the first song. But it was still epic. <laughs> like, she came out there and, like, in her typical, like, awesome Taylor, like, she's, like, being all coy. And so, she was, like, so. And she's explaining the surprise songs. And she likes doing them. And then she was, like, well – You know, so this weekend I was thinking like, okay, what surprise songs do I want to do? 
And I thought, well, for Saturday's show, you know, it's Saturday, but what else is it? And everyone's like, ah, losing their effing mind. And again, like, it's a date. And we were all so excited about it. And people had shirts. It was great. And so she was like, oh, yeah, April 29th. And everyone's like, ah, and then she did it. And then she's like, do you really know where I was April 29th? I was in Atlanta, Georgia, and everyone freaked out. And it was beautiful. And the song was so good live. And then she went and sat down by the piano. And she was like, you know, it's so interesting, which, of course, she acted like a whole two people cared about her surprise songs as if people aren't making full spreadsheets. And she's like, oh, you know, people have taken an interest in this, apparently. My dad was telling me. And, you know, there's like stats about it. And like people are like betting on it and stuff. And she's like, and it just seems very like sporty. And she's like, people have said a lot of things about me, but no one has ever dared called me athletic. So she was like, so this is just like very funny to me. And so she's like, apparently I haven't done anything. <laughs> None of her surprise songs had been from Reputation yet. So she said that everyone lost their effing mind. And again, and she did Gorgeous, which I would have like not picked as like something I wanted as my surprise song. But it was really good. Like it just like an acoustic on the piano was just like super fun. I really liked it. And, you know, it is a fun song and she definitely messed it up. So anyone who was looking forward to it, it's still on the table because she messes up. She's allowed to do it again. That's her one of her rules. So she messed up and it was adorable. Just like a real like human moment. And she was all embarrassed. And she was like, I've been practicing this song all day. <laughs> and she's like, this is really embarrassing, guys. So she had to have us help her with the lyric. And she's like, does it go whiskey on ice first? Or is it? And we're all like, whiskey. <laughs> so she's like, okay, thank you. I'm just going to start again. <laughs> And it was like probably my favorite moment of the show. Like it was so cute. And her in-ears went out on our show. And so she had to resort to telling dad jokes for a minute. And that was also really adorable. But yeah, like as an Evermore stan, the Evermore portion of this show, I like I will think about it for the rest of my life. I think it was so good. The whole show is so like and just I don't wanna I don't wanna spoil anything. You know, no spoilies, but we will do some more discussing once my clan has gone because that is coming up for you. Mm-hmm. Three days, baby. So without further ado, we've discussed Brattle Showers. We've discussed Taylor Swift. Let's go ahead and just listen for a little. Oh, wait, before trigger warning, especially chapter three really delves into eating disorders. And again, there is some... Mm kind of alluding to sexual assault slash rape. So take care of yourselves first and foremost. If any of that is going to be triggering to you and you need to tune out for a few weeks, we totally understand. Okay. Now with that aside, yeah. <laughs> Re- recap us. Let's recap. We'll recap the first two chapters here. Let me actually pull them up because, you know, it's been a while. It's been a while. So we get to know our main character here, Annabelle Green. She is one, she is the youngest of three daughters. They are all models. She her mom um, had a depressive episode after her grandmother died, so she's very hyper aware of her like emotion. She doesn't want that to happen again. She was pretty traumatized. Dad seems to be one of those hands off dads, yeah, if we will. A very much a destined dad. Um, we find out that Annabelle used to have a best friend, Clark, and then they started hanging out with a gal named Sophie, who was kind of outrageous, kind of mean. 
and something happened between all of them and now everybody hates Annabelle. She has no friends and the only person who she looks at at school with any sort of feeling is or positive feeling is Owen who sits next to her at lunch. He's big and tall and muscular and wears boots and goes to jail and gets in fights. A little bit of a bad But we boy. all know he's sweet on the inside. Oh no, Willow's here. <laughs> she also is sweet on the inside though. Is she? <laughs> <laughs> you little gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> so Let's see. What else did we talk about here? We just did our little backstory. We found out how her and Sophie met. Okay. We found out how her and Sophie met, which was at uh, the public pool. She was trying to get in with Annabelle's sisters, who were like older and cooler, but it didn't work out. And that's pretty much where we're at, I think. Yeah, that that sums it up. That pretty much sums it up. Yes, we are starting chapter three today. If I could get to it, that would be swell. <laughs> Where do you start chapter three? Nope, that's the start of chapter four. 41. Thank Page you. 41. Ah, yes, here we are. All right. God, I have a lot of feelings about this Justin mom already. Like, I already was getting kind of heated toward her. And we're only <laughs> the first few chapters. So everyone just buckle up because it's getting, it's getting bumpy here in chapter three. Well, let me tell you. So we get to know a little bit about the sisters, which we kind of already started getting to learn about um, Kirsten and Whitney. But we learn a little bit more about their dynamic, a little bit more about Whitney's eating disorder, kind of the beginnings of that, and how obviously she was in denial and trying to hide it. And her parents, I don't know, also were in denial, I guess, or who knows. But um, but yeah, so – this chapter is a lot about the two elder sisters in the Green household and how they go off to be in New York, which Kirsten is the first one. She's the eldest. She goes off to New York first, which her parents were basically like, yeah, go off to New York. She's going to live with some friends because you pretty much have to because it's New York City and it's hella expensive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Annabelle says she actually does make most of her money off of either hosting or waitressing <laughs> at certain – restaurants but that she technically did go off to further her modeling career but her parents which i guess because they didn't believe in her but believed in whitney we're gonna get to that in a minute were like you know you really should take some college classes while you're up there and we kind of learned about kirsten that surely doesn't like care about anything except for kind of like having a good time and boys so annabelle says like yeah sure she went off to go be a model but Honestly, even in high school, she kind of stopped caring about modeling once she started partying and meeting cute boys. And so she goes off to New York and sort of does the same thing, it sounds like. She – hi, Willow. She, you know, goes out there with these full intentions of taking some classes and being a model. And instead, it sounds like is not really doing much of either of that. But, you know, she's paying the bills and having a good time. And we can respect that. And we always respect a fellow service industry worker. So, <laughs> but yeah, I really, it is, it is truly crazy that we like tell 18 year olds who just graduated high school, like go to college yes. now and do what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Like, I think we've talked about this before, but it's the dumbest you go concept Kristen. Kristen. I've ever heard of in my life. Like, uh, what, 
have you ever met an 18 year old and you thought yes they should be deciding what their entire future is gonna hold like no 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 and so many people these days are like oh you know i got my degree in this and I like do something completely different. And it's like, yeah, everyone does. Because when you went and got that degree, you were a child. Like you made that decision as a child. <laughs> and yeah, your brain was not fully formed. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know why. Like it's such a big thing in Europe and, and other countries to do a gap year. I really don't know why that isn't a bigger con- – a capitalism. That's probably why. But <laughs> Capitalism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we really should. Let's get on to that, America. Let's start letting – yeah, be 18 and go travel and learn something about yourself and then maybe decide. Even at 19, I'm like, that's too young to be deciding what you want to do for the rest of your life. But like, all right, I guess. <laughs> Figure out who you are when you're not living with your parents and surrounded by, you know, the same people you've been surrounded by your whole life. Yes. And you may surprise yourself. Yes, 100%. Yeah. So, so true. Yeah, but it really ticks me off that these parents – on a related but not related note, that these parents, I think that as smartly, were kind of like, okay, yeah, you want to go to New York City? All right, you're going to, you know, we'll help you, but you, you've got to be able to pay the bills. And, you know, because mm-hmm. they do say that, like, her parents do kind of help her with rent. And, you know, they say, okay, you know, because again, modeling, modeling like anything, modeling, acting, whatever, it's a shot in the dark. Like, you might be successful, but again, you know, 80% of people that go off to follow that dream are not. And so I think it was smart of her parents to be like, yeah, do that. But like, you probably should take some classes. But also then it comes to find out that when Whitney goes, A, her mom goes with her. Didn't do that for Kirsten, but whatever. And that, you know, she makes sure she settles in for like a month. And then also they don't tell her to take any classes. So clearly they had more faith in her modeling. And I was like, if I was Kirsten, like I would be, or Annabelle, I'd be like, hi, quick question. Why is Whitney your favorite? (laughs) seriously like it's so messed up i was like this entire chapter three i honestly felt so bad for kirsten because a she's being a very good sister and b her parents are being very bad parents like just like she was out there trying to speak the truth she tries to basically send the warning bells you know so they're going on the chapter about how you know kirsten's the first one to go to new york then whitney who has the more you know model look um, she, this entire time, we're going to mess up that character's name. I just hope everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs> just so we're all clear on one thing for the next few weeks, just prepare for us to pronounce her name differently. Probably every time. But <laughs> you get, get the, the gist. gist of it. You know who we're talking about. The oldest sister. I'll be like the eldest green. Um, but so <laughs> she, you know, goes off to New York first. Whitney falls in suit. Whitney's the one who has the more editorial model thing. She does start booking gigs right away. But she also starts going down a slippery slope, which a lot of models unfortunately do, of an eating disorder. And so, of course, Kirsten is the first one who she's living with her, you know, in this tiny apartment in New York. She notices the signs. They come home for a visit, and she was like, hey, if you don't tell mom and dad, I will. And she's trying to basically tell them, like, hey, something is wrong with Whitney. You need to take this seriously. She's going to try to tell you she's fine, but she's not. And, yeah, like, her parents just completely – and I think some of it is just, like, they're obviously in denial. Like, no one wants to admit that your kid has an eating disorder, you know? But they do. They end up taking Whitney's side – And when they go back up to New York, Kirsten is like, you know, don't say I didn't warn you. Like, don't, you know, basically it was like, I will tell you I told you so when 
this really takes a, a turn for the worse. And yeah, I just, I really felt bad for her in this chapter because I was like, she's doing all the right things. And yeah, like her parents are not. And like, why would you like lie about that? And, you know, Whitney says, oh, she's just jealous because I'm booking more, you know, modeling roles than than she is. But no, like you have to know your kids well enough to know that like that's not why she's saying that, you know? Exactly. Exactly. She like they totally fall for Whitney's um, story and her lies. And I will say like, you know, alcoholics, people with eating disorders, like all all of that kind of thing. It's like they do become very convincing yes. because they have to. Yeah. For themselves. I mean, they have to to continue their habits. So I feel I understand the parents are like, we don't want to believe this. Kirsten has always been dramatic. Let's just say, you know what? She's fine. She's just had a sinus infection, blah, blah, blah. But of course, when Christmas rolls around, not only does Whitney get hospitalized in New York, but she also, um, when she arrives back at home, she looks like a skeleton, basically. Yeah. And they can't really deny it any longer. It's pretty obvious that she has gone off the deep end. Yep. I also love that the dad seemed to be, when they find out about the fact that she was hospitalized in New York, it's because the insurance calls them. And because there was like a mix up. And her dad seems to be way more concerned about like fixing the insurance (laughs) fix up than like the fact that his daughter was in the hospital. Like the mom is rightfully very like panicked like what happened what can you tell us anything is she okay oh my god and the dad's just like hold on i'm gonna run upstairs real quick and get the insurance card uh- <laughs> and it just cracked me up and i was like this dad is so useless he's very hands-off he's very like i don't know how to handle my emotions so i'm just going to do tasks yeah Willow is currently using a pillow as if it is a toy, and I'm not going to lie to you guys. I think I'm going to let her do it. <laughs> You're like, I think I'm just going to look the other way. It's entertained right now, so we're just going to go with it. Mm-hmm. And it's like a thrifted pillow. I don't think my mother-in-law will be too upset. <laughs> and I'll, and if she is, I'll be like, here's 10 bucks. Okay. <laughs> So Whitney comes home. She looks terrible. Um, She tries to, you know, keep not eating, keep like she she kind of snaps. She yells at them when they try to get her to eat. And she's just sleeping a lot. And she's just not really. I mean, she's not eating. So she flips out. She yells at her yells at them and storms up to her room and in the middle of the night animal gets up she gets a snack she's just kind of walking around hanging out um and when she goes back upstairs she feels like the steam in the air from the shower and she's like this is kind of strange um and when she goes to the bathroom she finds basically whitney has like passed out on the ground and she looks worse than like she looks like she's she doesn't understand how she could still be alive basically annabelle's like totally freaked out so they have to call an ambulance and bring her to the hospital and 
It sounds really scary, honestly. Yeah. The way that the scene is written where she finds Whitney, like, on the ground. <laughs> you already went to the store that quickly? That's impressive. Sorry, Mike has already returned home with vodka. <laughs> that makes us sound like we're, vodka. like, alcoholics. That's a big bottle of vodka also. Well, he bought – it was buy one, get one. Um, like two liters of the day, he bought Cherry 7-Up because we both like Cherry 7-Up because basically it's like a Shirley Temple, you know? And so today I was mm-hmm. like, oh, man, like I really wish we had some vodka in the house because we could make like dirty Shirley's because like that's a fun drink to have. And he's like, I can run to the store and get vodka. <laughs> and so he just <laughs> came back with, could you please show? Of course, it's like Pinnacle. It's like not, you know. Pinnacle, of <laughs> course. Of oh, my God. Vodka. <laughs> like, Jesus. <laughs> Getting dirty in here. Are you going through something, Mike? Dirty, Shirley. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't even know he blessed to go to the store. And he just comes back and he's like proudly holding a bottle of vodka. Willow um, has gotten into the pillow and is now eating the fluff. So if you would just excuse me for one moment, this podcast will be seven hours long. <laughs> <laughs> okay, baby. The real okay, question this is... This is a nightmare. Who will interrupt the podcast more tonight? My husband or Michael Ann's dog? Cast your votes, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, God. She is. So, yeah, this scene where Annabelle finds her in the bathroom. Yeah, she's, like, describing, you know, I go upstairs and the steam and whatever. Like, that scene and, like, the way she talks about, like, she can't open the door. And then she realizes, like, it's her sister's shoulder because she's passing on the ground. And just, like. The way she describes, like, you know, her towel falls a little bit so she can actually see the fact that she is skin and bones. Like, it's just written so, like, hauntingly and beautiful. Like, it's, Mm -hmm. like, I can't – and I was just thinking about, like, how traumatic that would be for Annabelle. And I love – obviously, you know, this happens to Whitney and her parents obviously are like, oh, my God, yes, she clearly has a problem. She is very, very sick and we need to get her help and they go and get her help and that's great. But I love that no one ever stops and is like – Hey, because they basically just tell Annabelle, like, stay there. Like, this entire chapter, it's like, go do your homework, Annabelle. Go, like, anytime they're having these important conversations, they're always trying to, like, keep her out of it. And I think that they think they're doing the right thing. Like, they're trying to keep her safe, and she's the youngest and whatnot. But the second she is the one who finds, you know, her sister laying on the bathroom floor, it's like, why does no one talk to her about this? Why does no one suggest maybe she go see a therapist or something? Because that's a lot, like like whoa i know <laughs> i know uh, it it is so well written and so like you can really you can like feel the steam you can like feel the panic um and yeah i think annabelle probably should have gone to therapy after that we probably should have been like hey annabelle are you okay because mm-hmm. that was pretty scary but instead that's not what happened they just like I don't know. They just like, like have I don't know if they Christmas. like ignored her necessarily, <laughs> but yeah, they just like move along with life. Um, and so the so Whitney ends up staying in the hospital for a little while. Um, and when her parents get home, her mom turns around and looks at her. And Annabelle says, she turned around, and when I saw her face, my stomach dropped. It was just like all those years ago, her face so tired, eyes swollen from crying, her very features haunted. A sudden panic made me want to wrap myself around her, putting myself between her and the world and everything it could do to her, to me, to any of us. 
So again, we're seeing like that common decent thread of like the daughter is trying to protect the mother. She's very like concerned. She doesn't like when her mother is like sad or going through something and she's trying to protect her mother from it. Um, taking on too much responsibility for a child for sure. Yep. Also, can we talk about how their like house, like the entire front of their yeah. house is glass? Yeah. And you can like see into That's like the whole front side of the house. So disturbing. I've never understood glass houses because unless you're like living out in the middle of nowhere, even then, no, because I'm terrified in the middle of nowhere. So I would assume that I was going to be murdered in my glass house. But yeah, like she's talking about like when they eat dinner, like everyone, like you can see cars passing by and all that. And I was like, that, why would you want to live like that? <laughs> Sounds terrible to me. That's very bizarre. Very bizarre. I would not want people all in my business. No. And they can see like – it's like the whole front of their house. Like they can see the upstairs hallway yeah. and like it's like what – you're never going to walk around naked? Yeah. Because let's all be honest. We've all done it. We've all done it. You get out of the shower. You're <laughs> like, shit, I need some water. You walk into your kitchen. You can get water. Yeah. Like – I don't but know. not if your entire front of your house is glass. Like, what a weird design. And her dad, her own father, like, made their house, apparently, which is another, another like, family, you know, truth about forever. They were, like, in construction. And now this book, too, which is just kind of funny. It's a common thing. Sarah, is someone in your family, like, a contractor, an architect or something? Because it seems to come up a lot. Put it on the list questions put on the list we're putting on the list of questions <laughs> um i went to a used bookstore this weekend there's like this huge used bookstore like five minutes from my sister's house that i just love going to every single time i visit and they had so much dust in but i picked up the truth about forever and i walked it over to my niece and i was like this is yours now buy this yes you need yes. to read this and she was buying emily henry and i was like Okay. 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 I see you. <laughs> I see you. I see you, girl. Oh. Uh, but anyway, they're living in a glass house. It's weird. And her sister is going. That segue, though. <laughs> her sister is going to go to a treatment facility to for a month um, to heal from her eating disorder or begin to go through treatment for her eating disorder. Um, and, you know, at one point, Annabelle says, last night when I first saw her, I just, and her dad's like, I know. And then he like stands up. He's like, but she's fine now. Okay, bye. And then just like leaves. And it's like, she's like, clearly my dad was not up for discussing the emotional impact of what had happened. It's like, yeah, I don't think he's. Clearly. I don't think he's uh, gonna talk about any emotions with you, ma'am. Yeah, uh-uh, uh-uh. Yeah, he's this dad. Th these parents—they're really—they're really something. I swear. They are. So then, um, during this whole situation, Kirsten comes home. She arrives on Christmas Eve, and she decides that now is the. Good time, as good a time as any, to tell them we're I'm giving up modeling. I'm over it. Yeah. I don't I don't care about it anymore. I'm not really even booking anything. And to be honest, I want to go back to school. She's twenty two now. She's realizing that she kind of missed out on that 
college experience and she wants to I mean I feel like 22 is a good year to be like you know what this is what I want to do let's go back to school it makes sense to me um I agree and so yeah she's like mom is still trying to push the modeling a little she's like you can take classes and still model it doesn't have to be an either or situation but Kirsten sticks to her guns and she says yes it does for me it does so that's like she's putting her foot down she's like no mom I'm not modeling anymore I also thought it was interesting, and I understand, obviously, we've established at this point that the modeling kind of really, you know, helps get mom out of her depression and her funk, and it gave her something to do and be interested in. But it is interesting that one of your daughters just came home with an eating disorder because she was off in New York City modeling. And again, I'm not saying that modeling made her have an eating disorder, but it certainly probably didn't help matters. And then your other daughter is like, hey – it's not making me happy. This is what I've decided I want to do. And the mom seems to be like, how dare you give up modeling? Well, don't you think you'd like kind of be relieved? You'd be like, okay, like she won't have that societal pressure, the pressure from different modeling agencies to lose weight like Whitney did. Like that's good. Okay. But like if one of your daughters is hurting super, super bad and another one is just like, I just want to do this because it'll make me happy. Wouldn't you as a parent be like, okay, yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I was like, what a weird reaction from mom. Like, I understand how, like, this is her her way of bonding with her daughters. But at the same time, I was like, wouldn't you kind of be relieved that one of your other daughters wants to get out of that life? But all right. It's like she sees modeling as the thing that's, like, holding her and her daughter's relationship together. So when – if Kirsten's not modeling anymore, you know, like – she doesn't need her mom anymore kind of thing so she's like yeah her mom's having one of those crises when your kid becomes an adult and you're like oh no oh no right you're like i thought i knew you and i thought i knew like you know when you're like super super into something like well us neurodivergent people just have like we flit back and forth from hyperfixations, and so it's like you're super super into something and your parents are like okay she's into this so we know what she's into and then one day you're like oh no actually i like you out of that and your parents are like no like i don't know what to talk to you about now you know um so yeah i feel like it's a little bit like that like her mom was like i had this thing and we could talk about it and now i don't know what to talk to you about <laughs> right sad it's especially hard when you're neuro- neurodivergent and your parents are more neurotypical and they're like, I got nothing there. I realized this weekend um, that I am so strange. Like, I don't live anywhere near my family. So when I visit, I realize how strange I am. And first and foremost, I was like so tired one day. And I was like, oh, my God, death is here. Death is here for me. <laughs> and my sister was like, what? She was like horrified. She's like, what are you saying right now? Why are you saying that? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I just mean that I'm tired. And then I kept calling people little weirdos, but I meant it in a as a compliment, obviously. A positive way, yeah. <laughs> we're little weirdos and we have our league of weirdos. But she did. She was like, stop describing people like that. doesn't sound good. And I'm like, okay. You're like, I mean it in, like, a nice way, though. Like, for me, it's a term of endearment. It's a compliment. Yeah. I never realized – is this probably because I was on Tumblr at a very pivotal age in my life? I'm not sure. Like, how many weird things I say or, like, like my dark humor. Like, I don't think it's dark. Like, I'm just like, oh, that's what people talk. Like, that's what people talk on the internet. But then, yeah, I, like, work – because, again, like, in Orlando, when you're in the theme park business, like, everyone's an effing little weirdo. Like, you are, you know? And so it's like, oh, yes, it's normal. But now that I work with, like, quote, unquote, the normies, 
And like I say things, I'm like, oh, is that is that like that a normal thing? Like literally, okay, so we do this thing where we run our sections at the like end of every day. And you remember, I don't even know because like time's an illusion now. Was this three years ago? This was a meme. Was it 10 years? I'm not sure. <laughs> but that like take a sip babes meme or whatever oh, yeah. that was going on, probably like circa 2014. Like it's an old ass meme. So anyways, every time the suction like goes to like suck up the water at the day, I'm like, take a sip babes. And like that's all I can think of. And I'm like, I'm so weird. Like no one else would think of that. <laughs> And I'm like super excited about Star Wars Day and everyone in my office is like, I've never seen a Star War. And I'm like, how have you lived on planet Earth? Like what? Like what's wrong with you people? Yeah, that's strange. See a Star War, Mm -hmm. people. Come on. Get your shit together. See a Star War. Oh my gosh. Get together. It's like one. Can we talk about how Billy Lord did her mother's um, Carrie Fisher's oh my god i'm sorry willow will not stop barking it's like carrie fisher got a star on the hollywood walk of fame and billy lord her daughter was there and she was wearing like a princess leia dress and she would like this like beautiful speech about like princess leia and her mom and oh my god it was so emotional i was like this is so beautiful it was very good so it was beautiful yeah i loved the dress i loved the whole vibe it was very sweet, and it made me it made my heart very happy. Same, indeed. Billy Lord is a, is a good one. Well, I mean, she was raised by a very awesome woman, and she's really turned into a, a pretty pretty great woman herself. So, mm-hmm. rock on, girl. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Hell to the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't imagine what she's barking at right now. It's like, should I check? No, might be air. Listen, Could be a leaf. When I walk the dogs, people let their dogs just bark and bark and bark and bark and bark in their yards. And I'm like, I'm over here, like, just stop barking. Come here. Stop barking. Trying to, like, train them. And all these motherfuckers are just letting their dogs bark, bark, bark. And I'm like, you know what? My dog's going to bark, 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 too, for a little while. Okay. Screw it. (laughs) Anyway, so they're just sitting down at the dinner table you know, people are driving by their glass house looking in on them, which is very common and weird. No, thank you. At least put the glass in the back of the house. Anyway. Yeah. It's just strange. But um, it says the last paragraph here in this chapter was just very good. But it says, but I had changed too, even if only I could tell. I was different. As different as my family was that night, it all began from what we appeared to be. The five of us, a happy family, sharing a meal in our glass house. To anyone in a car passing by the road outside looking in. And yeah, this is when she's talking about like over the last year, her sisters have like really kind of come. Well, Kirsten's like come into herself. She's like starting over. She's going to school. She like loves it. She's so happy. And Whitney is, you know, healing and going through like recovery of an eating disorder. And she's lost all of her freedom she has to live with her parents again they don't let her out of her their sight i can't imagine i can imagine that would be extremely difficult um to deal with yeah but yeah so they're all changing and annabelle is like i'm changing too but no one knows about it because i don't open up about my feelings because i'm too worried about upsetting my mom because my sisters can by just being human but i can't by just being human it's like 
no, all of you are allowed to be complex and emotional and you weren't put on this planet to like please your mother. <laughs> like exactly. just you were you were put on this planet to to live your life. But yeah, I and and again, it's not like you know, to make it abundantly clear, it's not like Whitney or Kirsten are doing things purposely to upset their mother. You know, again, it's not like they were like, I'm out to make my mother's life miserable. But yeah, they're just human people that have flaws and are going through things. And so is Annabelle. And like, that's okay. Like, if your sisters are allowed to be open about it. Well, I mean, obviously Whitney wasn't forthcoming at first, but now it is unfortunately out in the open or well, fortunately, because she can get help. But yeah, like I just yeah, if if they're if they're allowed to be messy, like why aren't you allowed to be messy, Annabelle, you know? Like girl. Girl. Also apparently Kirsten and Whitney are not talking because yes. of the whole fact that Kirsten was trying to get any help and Whitney obviously did not want to be helped, which is unfortunately very common with eating disorders and yeah, other things like addiction and stuff. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, very sad, but very, very true, unfortunately. Yeah. And yeah, it's at the end of chapter three here. Again, we're only three chapters in. And I am just like really sad for everyone yeah. else, except for the dad, because he seems kind of useless. But yeah. um, and again, I question the mom and some of her destined momisms. And I'm like, oh, geez, lady. But yeah, I just feel really sad for everyone. And clearly they're all really going through a lot. And yeah, it just makes me sad. Chapter four. Shall we dive in? We start with, for the first week of school, Sophie ignored me completely, which was hard. But when she did begin to speak to me, I quickly realized I much preferred the silence. Whore. It was always just one word. One word said clearly. And with enough spite to sting. So yeah, it looks like Sophie has gone from the silent treatment to now just seeing Annabelle in the hallways and just spewing out really mean things like just calling her a whore and a slut and other things every once in a while just whenever she so chooses which is crazy um so she's saying so sophie hates her she kind of hoped that maybe this would bring her and clark together now that she was no longer like bfs with sophie who clearly which we're about to find out about clark and sophie and annabelle's like big falling out but it appears that they all hate her still. So Clark hates her. Sophie hates her, she says. But Owen Armstrong remains. Um, she talks about how they just sit on the wall at lunch. And I did put this. Um, we always kept an understood distance between us. About six feet. And I was like, y'all, social distancing before social distancing. Get it? <laughs> you did it. You guys are ready I'm for so 2020. Ready. You're so ready. Like, they're they're nailing it. Like, they are not passing any germs to each other. And they're outside. Even better. So outside and six feet apart. Great job, guys. So she's just saying, like, she's just sort of fascinated by him. He used to kind of be scary because he is just, like, this big, intimidating guy. And, again, they know about the fights in the jail and all that kind of stuff. Um, but now she's just, like, I, I don't know. Like, just being in close proximity to him. Like, he just doesn't seem that scary anymore. And she's just kind of intrigued because he's always listening to music. Always, always, always. And she says sometimes she can kind of hear him humming. Most of the time he's just kind of like bopping along to it. And she's dying to know what he's listening to. And she presumes just based on the outer shell that it must be, you know, thrash metal or something. She says like equally as like loud and angry as he is. And we will find out a little bit more about his musical taste here as we go along. But yeah, I just thought that... That all that was that was very interesting. I also like so she was saying that um 
It seemed odd that Owen Armstrong could seem somehow safer than the only two best friends I'd ever had. It was beginning to see, though, that the unknown wasn't always the greatest thing to fear. The people who know you best can be riskier because the words they say and the things they think have the potential to not only be scary but true as well. And I was like, if that ain't the damn truth. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, yeah, so true, so true. So true. So, yeah, so I guess it's, you know, it's a little bit easier to – have this weird not even friendship really because again they don't really talk to each other they're just in the same kind of area together than to try to approach people that she actually knows and again obviously we've it's kind of been alluded to i mean we know her family life is pretty complicated right now her sister is really sick her parents are very just engrossed in that and on top of that something has happened to annabelle and yeah, I think it's probably really difficult if she's someone who, you know, kind of seems like a people pleaser that, which she kind of gets into here in the next chapter a little bit. But if she's kind of a people pleaser, like talking to people she does know would be hard mm-hmm. because right now she's not really in a people pleasing mood. And yeah, like certain people might be able to see through that or yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's got to be exhausting, I guess. Like, keeping up that front but like hanging out on the wall at lunch by owen must seem kind of nice like she doesn't really have to you know put in any effort exactly and then we get kind of our backstory here to what happened with clark and annabelle so basically they kind of became like a gang of three clark sophie and annabelle after that first night where they dropped her stuff off to her at her house. But Sophie is a lot different than them. She is wears bikinis and makeup and has tons of stories about all the boys she's dated. And she's loud and bold and unafraid to talk to boys and wear whatever she feels like wearing. And it kind of makes Annabelle's... Annabelle says she liked it. She almost envied it. I couldn't say what I wanted, but I could always count on her to speak up in the event she set into motion. Always a little risky, at least for me, but fun at the same time for ones I never would have gotten to experience left to my own devices. And this was like so relatable to me because it's like, because she's basically saying this whole time, like Sophie is, ki- or Sophie is kind of a lot and she is crazy and a lot of stuff happens, but she opens doors for me that I would never have opened myself like now she gets to go to parties now she gets to hang out with boys it's kind of like things she's always wanted to do but wouldn't do on her own and i feel that way about the person that was my friend of me as well is like also did i just hear mike sneeze i don't know he may have oh my gosh it could have been my dog mr sneezles what was I going to, the other day, he, like, did something, and I was, like, oh, he was going to record something, and I was having, like, a really bad allergy day, and I was, like, it's my time, payback, baby, but then I didn't end up having to sneeze at all the entire time he recorded, and it made me sad. <laughs> That's hilarious. I wish that you did. My dogs have decided that it's time for both of them to go crazy, so I'm just sitting here waiting for this to go bad. Um, we also get some information about Sophie's backstory, which is like her parents got divorced. Apparently it was very ugly. Sophie never talks about this, of course. 
Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Sophie's dad left her mom for a much younger woman, and now supposedly he doesn't talk to Sophie or her mom at all. So we kind of see she has. That has to be pretty rough. I think it's pretty clear that Sophie has daddy issues. Oh yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure, for sure, <laughs> for sure. So it's like yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> We've been recording y'all for over an hour and we, it's been like 90% me wrestling my dogs and Mike yeah. talking to us. It's like. Yeah. And me being, you have your annoying children and mine is my husband acting like a child and then him rattling up my child, my little fur baby. Ah. All right. It's going it's really fine. well, guys. It's fine. This episode really... might be just like pure chaos, but you know what? We're killing it. Here at Hate Spinner Babe, the... we love chaos. We do. This is the time. You know, we hit a thousand followers on Instagram and we're like, should we put out our most chaotic episode ever? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry time for that, right? <sighs> Welcome to the pod. Whoever gave us a three star rating, reveal yourselves. Tell me yeah. why. You didn't even leave a why? comment. Cowards. Coward. Yeah, what a coward. If you're going to give us three stars, tell me what it is. Is it my annoying voice? I, too, have to listen to it every day and I hate it. But you could have told me that to my face. God. Better fucking not be. I'll fight that person. I'll fight that person. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but maybe it's all of our political rants. Yeah, is it because we conflict is it because we stand for abortion? Is that why you gave us three stars? If that's the reason, fine. I'm happy you gave us three stars then. I'm not taking back what I said about it. (laughs) Nope. We fucking love abortion at Hate Spinner Bait, okay? We love it. Yeah. Damn straight. You're so for it. And you're not going to change my mind on that. So cool story, bro. Keep leaving me three stars. <laughs> you swear. Don't eat. Uh, okay. So, oh, yes. Yeah. So then we find out kind of like what the catalyst was for Clark not being their friend anymore. So they were doing like a pizza night with Clark's parents are out of town. It was a typical Saturday. They were going to make a frozen pizza and watch movies when Sophie walks in and she's in a mini skirt and a tank top and thick heeled sandals and she's like, we're going to the pool and we're hanging out with boys. And Clark is like, absolutely not. Clark's not a rule breaker. Her parents don't want her to be there. The pool is closed. And she's like, I'm just hanging out tonight. You know what? Honestly, I wish I was more like Clark. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so Clark, you legend. Okay. I think I was like Clark. <laughs> <laughs> you you were like... you were who I wanted to be, but I was too scared to be my little weirdo self, so I had to prove something by partying a bunch, I guess. Like this scene really hit me because I was like, yeah, like it was tough being I mean it wasn't tough. Like I had a pretty easy go of it in middle school and high school, but like anyone, obviously there's growing pains. But yeah, stuff like this, like, legitimately did happen to me. Like, I would have friends that'd be like, hey, like, we're just gonna, like, do this thing and do that. And I was like, no, because, like, I knew I could not go home and look my parents in the eyes if I, like, did this bad. Like, <laughs> like I just, yeah, I was a goody too. And, like, sometimes it sucks. And, like, you would, like, you'd feel really lame because you're like, okay, well, everyone else is doing it. And I want to hang out with the cute boys and I want to go to the pool even though it's close. But, like... Honestly, like, I do just want to make frozen pizza and watch movies. Like, <laughs> like that's kind of my idea of a good time. So, 
Yeah, I just like really fall for Clark in this scene, but also really fall for Annabelle because you can tell she's like, well, this boy I think is really yeah. cute, apparently wants me there, and I'm not really doing anything bad, bad, and and this is where I will say there was one time, Mom, this is probably the first time you're hearing this, and this is the most like goody two shoes sneaking out of that. I was in high school, like we had our driver's licenses, like we were maybe was it in between junior and senior year or after senior year either way like I was you know an older class like an you know older classman or whatever but anyhow we had our licenses for a minute so we were all at and I don't know if every state is like this I think every state is like this where like technically you have a curfew on your license if you're a certain age like if you're under 18 and so ours in Florida was like 11 or something you're supposed to be in and we were pretty like all of us were like pretty strict about that because we were very paranoid that we would like I don't know get checked on that which like probably you didn't but we were paranoid so we were staying at my friend's house one night it was me it was like three uh me and two of my girlfriends and out of nowhere it was like a summer night and we were just like we really wanted cake from Walmart and Walmart was open 24 hours so it's like midnight her parents are down the hall sleeping and we're like what if we just like sneak out like we acted like we were like properly sneaking out and it's like we just like went out the front door like but we did it in socks so we didn't make noise and um <laughs> and we're like what if we just like sneak out and get cake from walmart like wouldn't that be so funny and so we got in my friend's minivan that's how cool we were and we drove to walmart at like midnight or whatever and got cake and then just drove back to our parents house and that was the most like scandalous thing i'd ever done and it's so not even scandalous Oh my god, that's so cute. I can't talk about the most scandalous things I did when I was in high school, because... <laughs> Trust me. Oh, Just Lordy. use your imagination, guys. I was the type of person who, when I skipped school, my mom knew. Like, it was an approved skip school day. Like, it wasn't like, I'm going to pretend to go to school. It was like, we always pretty much, like, middle school on, or maybe, like, at least in high school... Like, the day before Christmas break, like, what the fuck was the point of that day? And so my mom was like, hey, okay, well, this just, like, not going to school that day. Um, so we just took a, a bonus day on our winter break. But, yeah, like, that was me skipping school. I was being like, hey, mom, this day where teachers are just going to show me movies, can I stay home? And she was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I One thing I never did was skip school. I don't know how people do it. I have aided my friends in skipping school, mm-hmm. but I have never myself because – I went to private school, you know, you had to, like, walk by the main office to leave, and you had to be, like, buzzed out, so it's, like, how do people even skip, like, how do you, and then, like, they call your parents, so it's all, like, how do you get away with this? Like, I, how do people get away with skipping school? I don't know. I never did it. Yeah, I don't, but yeah, little little Clark here, just, like, I don't know, I respect her, yeah. It's hard to be a 13-year-old girl and, like, not give in to the cool girls. And I like mm-hmm. that she kind of stood up for herself and was like, no, I'm not doing it. And they go. Like, Sophie and Annabelle go. And, you know, it starts getting late. And from across the street, because, like, the pool's closed, so Clark will not go on, like, the pool premises, which is just so sweet of her. She's, like, yelling for Annabelle, like, Annabelle, it's getting late. And Annabelle, like, tries to go to her. because She's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're right. Because, again, like, Annabelle wants to be like a badass like Sophie but she's not and so she's like oh yeah you know and Sophie's like do you want to go 
And she's like, well, she's like, there's the, the boy you've been crushing on is like right there and he's kissing you. Like we're staying here. And you know, I'm paraphrasing. And <laughs> Annabelle's like, oh yeah, like you're right. And she stays and Clark, you know, she thinks she can smooth it over with Clark and you know, the next day at the pool, Clark gives her the cold shoulder and they never really talk again. And that's, just really sad because it seems like Clark was a pretty good friend. And like Sophie's like making fun of her. She's like doing like impressions or like nasally voice because she has like really bad allergies, Clark. And yeah, this Sophie. She's a mean girl. And I, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. No, I don't I, like she's talking about my girl. And it's so easy to get like sucked into a mean girl's orbit. Like yes. you know. Especially because when you look at media and you see like, okay, cool kids are having fun out with boys drinking at parties like it's like glorified so when you're like in real life and your brain isn't fully developed you're like yes this is what i want to this is what i should be doing partying um hello willow thank you for joining us today um so yeah she just gets totally sucked into sophie's schemes and yeah that's it. She, her, and Clark just like never speak again, which is pretty sad. Yeah, it is pretty sad. Yeah, the whole thing is just, but yeah, just so much about it is realistic to me, and just yeah, the dumb things that people will do because they're talked into it by their friends, and you don't want to be that person. Like you don't want to be the one that's difficult or not cool. And you know, like I said, like Annabelle already really comes off like a people pleaser to me. And this is just another one of those things where she's like, well, I like Sophie and I would like to hang out with cute boys and I would like to do things like be invited to parties. And if that's what I have to do, if I have to, you know, not to be lame, like if I have to not be true to myself and I have to like turn on another friend and like, so be it. And you know, sadly, yeah, that just like really does happen. Yeah. She says lot. here on page 76, suddenly Everything I'd always watched and envied from a distance, the people, the parties, and especially the boys, was not only closer, but altogether possible, and all because of Sophie. It made the other things I had to put up with, like her moodiness and everything that had happened with Clark, seem almost worth it. Almost. It's like, yeah. mm-hmm. But then you're yeah. going to be 30, and you're going to be like, oh my god, why did I drink so much? Like, wow. That was a really, those were like bad choices. Bad choices. Yeah. And she says here too, on page 74, she's like, you know, talking about how she like didn't stand up to Sophie in this moment. And she was like, really though, it was this moment with Sophie, my fear of what would happen if I stood up to her that stopped me and shamed me for years to come. And it's like, yeah, like half of the reason she doesn't go like, oh yeah, Clark, I'm, I'm coming. I'm going to come home or whatever isn't even because of the, you know, cute boy. It's because she is so terrified. Like she just heard what Sophie, like, you know, making fun of Clark and stuff. And you're like, well, I don't, I don't want to be the next person she thinks isn't cool. And I don't want her to make fun of me and, and say things about me at school. And so you're like, okay, like I'll just go with what she's saying. And that's just really to quote Christy tragical. (laughs) That that is very, (laughs) that is just, but that is what being a teenage girl is. And it sucks. Hardcore y'all. It really sucks sometimes. (laughs) It does. It's really, really hard to be a teenage girl. We have so many emotions. We don't know what the hell's going on. No, at all times. And yeah, to go with the, and then one day you're 30 and you look back and you're like, oh God, what did I do? 
But I also think, and we've discussed this before, The Holiday, great movie, one of the best Christmas uh, time movies. And something that really struck me in that movie, again, it's like a romantic comedy. And I was like deeply moved by that movie because it was still in the time of my life where I was like, quote unquote, which is so funny because now everyone on the internet is always yelling at people like you're not the main character, like you're not the main character of life, which true, mm-hmm. like, don't be so like self-absorbed. But I think for a lot of teenage girls, you go through high school, like thinking that the best you'll ever be is the side character. You're like, well, I'm yeah. not, I'm not the main character of the story. Like, that's my friend, but like, I'll be the fun sidekick and like, I'll, you know, whatever. And yeah, when I saw the holiday and like Jack Black is like explaining that to Kate Winslet's character and was like, you know, like you should be the main character in your own life. And I was like, wow, life changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should. You should be the main character in your own life. And why do so many teenage girls let themselves be the side character? It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. But yeah, like you deserve so much more. And to get on my soapbox, if there are any teenage girls listening, like you deserve to be the main character in your own life. Like don't go along with what your dumb friends are saying just because you're like, well, like I'm not as cool as them. I'm not whatever. Like I'm just going to be the sidekick. Like, no, you are the son. <laughs> you are the son. He is very, what is that Grey's Anatomy quote? It's so good. Yeah. Like he is like, you are the son. He is the, he's like, he is very shiny, but he is not the son. You are. You are. Yeah. Dreamy. yeah that's it's what dreamy. it is. He's very dreamy. Cause yeah, he's like dreamy. She's like, he is very dreamy, but he's not the son. You are. That's the quote. And it's chef's kiss. I was, she's She's Barbie. She's everything. He's just Ken. Everyone remember that. <laughs> also, side yeah. note, um, I got really hype here because Willow has started to like calm down a little bit. I'm like, okay, it's eight o'clock. Maybe she's trying to like, she just peed on the carpet. So if you will excuse me, I'm just going to. So, yeah. So we get back from the flashback of Clark and back to the present day of Annabelle, you know, being in high school and her mom being obsessed with her modeling and so she gets home and she's listening to some voicemails and one is from her agent her modeling agent being like oh yeah you know I haven't heard anything yet and she's more calling her mother like Annabelle's mom than she's calling Annabelle about it and then the other one is from Kirsten and this is where we learn that she like us um likes to go on tangents apparently but via voicemail (laughs) and you know on a landline because you still use those in 2006 so she calls and leaves like this really you know like exciting message about like these classes she's taking how she loves them and like honestly good for her I'm really happy for her about that so there's that and then her mom comes home and she's like oh you know how was your day and she's like oh these are the messages you missed um one is you know about the shoe and she's like oh what did they say and she's like oh no word yet the other one's from Kirsten it was long and she's like you don't say which I did just think was funny like a good little moment and then she's like tell me something good and Annabelle's like, shit, I have nothing good to say. Like, school's been miserable. My life has been pretty miserable. But again, she's, like, determined not to let her mother down. So she, like, makes up this thing about some guy that she talked to in gym. And it's, like, totally not true. But her mom, like, buys right into it. And she just says, you know, she'd been through too much between my sisters. I cannot add to the weights. And it's, like, yeah, you can't, like, yeah. Because everyone should be able to speak their own mind to someone and again if you don't feel comfortable doing it to your mother that's fine but like go to therapy then or find someone you can talk to because there's a lot going on and you shouldn't be concerned like for the umpteenth time in a Sarah Dawson novel you are the child yeah. here yeah. <laughs> you are the child yep. 
You are not the adult. You are the child. Yeah, I highlighted that part, too, because I was like, here we go again. Another Destin main character who's, like, doing the most to not upset her mom. And it's such a, it's so, like, relatable. That's such a common thing that happens in, you know, with teenage girls. Mm -hmm. Especially teenage girls who have seen their mother go through, like, a depressive episode or, like, a you know like in the truth about forever um her mom lost her husband suddenly and so you know macy was like it's not just it's not my pain really it's my mom's you know kind of thing so yeah exactly there's always a good reason for it but it's like ladies don't do this heartbreaking heartbreaking (laughs) so then the next day or i don't know if it was the next day but at some point um, we find out that Whitney is going to drive Annabelle to school. She's going to take the car for the day, do a little shopping, see a movie. And so this is kind of like her first day out away from her mom since going through treatment. So they driving to school. It's pretty awkward. They're not really talking to each other. And Annabelle feels weird. So she's like, so are you excited about today? And uh, Whitney's like, what do you mean excited? Why would I be excited? And she's like, I don't know. You have a whole day to yourself. And then this is where Whitney says, it's a day. I used to have a whole life. And it's like, oof. Like, Whitney is going through a lot right now, for sure. Um, That was a dagger right to the heart, that line. I was like, oof, girl, yeah, that's rough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, it, oof, it's killer. Um, so then she gets to school and she's like, I pretty much forgot about Whitney for the rest of the day. And she took a English test that she thought she was really prepared for, but she knows she got a few questions wrong. So it's the end of the day. She's heading out of the school. She's not really paying attention. She's looking through her bag and looking at her notes, um, to, find out what she missed and so she doesn't even realize that she's right in front of the red jeep holding this man who we there's something that happened we don't know yet but this man causes her to throw up upon seeing him so as you can imagine something but something we also find out during this is that this guy is sophie's boyfriend Yep. And this is where we realize why there must be some tension between her and Sophie. Again, misguided on Sophie's part, but yeah. Yeah. Sophie, I mean, we don't know what happens yet, but so something went down and Sophie clearly took her boyfriend's side or maybe Annabelle didn't even tell her. Like, who knows? So we'll see. We'll see as time goes on. But Sophie approaches her um, and grabs her arm and is like, what are you doing? Didn't you get enough that night? You need more or something? And, you know, Annabelle's trying to ignore her, but Sophie's like, don't ignore me, you bitch. And she, like, touches Annabelle's shoulder and something in Annabelle just snaps and she turns around and just pushes Sophie with both of her hands, knocking her backwards. And... 
a crowd starts gathering and before anything really crazy can happen the security guard drives up and is like all right break it up break it up and sophie calls her a whore and says stay away from my boyfriend do you hear me and that's kind of the end of it and then she runs away and throws up in the bushes yep yeah i was like kind of proud of annabelle for like breaking a little bit because that's something that clearly she's not comfortable with doing um but you know yeah i was like i don't know sophie probably deserved that push a little bit (laughs) it's bad she's upset yeah obviously there are healthier ways to deal with things than that and also the scene is very much Annabelle like really going through something and it's like you're like okay yeah like you're not following up for once okay but then also it's just like she's trying to run off to be by herself and she's literally feeling nauseous and it's it's all just yeah very like sad at the same time part of you is like okay you go girl and then the other part is like oh but this oh god she's really going through something and it's just so sad that like no one's there for her but then Someone kind of is, because who's been kind of lurking around recently, six feet apart, Um, but Owen Armstrong, who comes and, you know, just asks her, are you okay? And he offers her a little pack of Kleenex, and she's, like, very surprised that someone like Owen Armstrong, this big intimidating man, would have, like, a little pack of Kleenex in his backpack, and he tells her, like, she can have the whole thing, and it's very, (laughs) Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just very adorable, so... That's very nice. And, you know, they're sitting there and he's just kind of like checking in on her. And um, just then her mom calls and says, hey, so you know how Whitney took your car today and and she was supposed to come pick you up? Well, she found some really great sales at the mall, which it's like, really, mom, did you really believe that? And she ended up going to a later movie. So actually she can't pick you up. And, of course, you know, Annabelle has alluded to this earlier. It, it's hard. Like, it is really hard to be in involved with someone who's going through something. And you love them and you know that it's not them. And it's it's the thing that's making them sick that you're mad at. But, you know, like she said, sometimes it really looks like Whitney. And her mom, you know, she's like, well, now I'm stranded. And she knows that her mom isn't going to want to go and pick her up because, you know, she's offering it. She's like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. I could pick you up. But she knows that her mom wants to be at home in case Mm -hmm. Whitney gets there. Which, again, it's just so, like, her mother is just, like, so obsessed with Whitney. And, like, it's a detriment to the other daughters. But whatevs. And so, yeah. So she's just like, well, I can't do that to my mom. I know she's going to want to be there. And she is also understanding the fact that Whitney really is going through something. And also, as I said, it's clearly BS, like what Winnie is saying, that she was like, oh, yeah, I just I got caught up and whatever. Like, it's obviously Whitney is lying. And I think her mom knows that, which is why she is so worried about her. So, yeah, so just, she's like, okay, well, I'm screwed. And I guess I'm just walking home. And, of course, she's having this conversation in front of Owen. And he decides, like, this is his night and shining armor moment. And he's like, I could drive you home if mm-hmm. you want. And she's like, oh, okay really yeah i mean that would be great actually (laughs) and this is our first owen annabelle scene really they get in his car it's an old style blue land cruiser which i don't know what those are yeah me either to be honest 
podcast. <laughs> Clearly, you were a car Clearly, we don't know what we're talking about. But we have twenty about 20 CDs in the passenger seat. That Some of them are uh, burned. Burned CDs. Home burned. Yeah. Which, mm-hmm. like, yes, 2006. Yeah, um, and... They start they start driving and he turns up the music and what is he listening to? Mayan spiritual chants. So Yeah. That he checked out from the from the university's library. And I, and I love that. Just casually leaving school listening to Mayan And spiritual I love chants. how he like puts it on even though Annabelle's in the car. He's like, Yeah right like yeah he really doesn't give a damn like what she thinks or whatever he's like this is what i'm listening to yeah, we're he's like listen we're listening to, to my enchants okay um which i love so she kind of starts asking about it and he starts telling her and she's saying you know i he basically starts like going on his his passionate rant about how some people think they like music but nobody really knows music like i do or like there are more people like He's saying, like, some people think they like music, but they don't really have any idea what it's going about. Then there are people like me who, are like, live for music and um, they can't imagine a life without it. He says they're enlightened. And he says, you know, music is the great uniter, an incredible force, something that people who differ on everything and anything else can have in common. Uh, music is a total constant. That's why we have such strong visceral connection to it. You know, because a song can take you back instantly to a moment or a place or even a person. No matter what else has changed in you or the world, that one song stays the same, just like that moment. Which is pretty amazing when you actually think about it. And it is pretty amazing when you think about it like that. Um, yeah, I just really love his passion here. And I really love a lot of things he has to say. I mean, some of the things he says in this chapter are a little pretentious, but you know, like artsy teenage boys, like do tend to be a little pretentious. So this honestly kind of tracks to me that I'm like, oh, you would be a little, you know, whatever. But yeah, I, I love first of all that he surprises her that she like, you know, she's been saying, oh, I'm dying to know what he's listening to. And she finally gets the chance. And like, it's not at all what you would expect. And clearly he really is open to a lot of different genres and different styles. And yeah, I think there is something like really beautiful about being like music is something that you know, can really bring a lot of people together. And that's so true. I mean, we've all seen the videos of just like random groups of people singing Bohemian Rhapsody. And you're like, what is it about that? So what it is, it's this like weird, great unifier. And yeah, I love his whole like outlook on that. Even if, like I said, some of him is a little Mm -hmm. like pretentious teenage boy, some of this bit, but yeah, it's, it's It's pretty pretty great. great. (laughs) So then they pull up to Lakeview Middle, shout out. And he apologizes in advance for his sister and she starts looking around at all the kids trying to guess who his sister is but then a dark haired girl dressed head to toe in pink ponytail tied with a pink ribbon shiny pink lip gloss (laughs) hot pink t-shirt jeans and pink platform flip-flops comes up to the car and she shrieks because apparently she's Annabelle's like number one fan yeah (laughs) She's a big animal. She, she loves, loves it. that commercial. She's like, I love your work. <laughs> you do incredible things. And it's just like hilarious. Um, and she's like, oh, and come on. She's a Lakeview model. Hello. 
And Owen's like, what are you talking about? But we all know that low-key, Owen knows exactly who she is. Okay, let's be oh, honest. Yeah. He knows. He knows. Let's be honest. Way to play it cool, buddy. Way to but play it But she's just, cool. like, totally losing her marbles here. She's like, oh, my God. Will you call my friends for me? Like, ah. And at some point, Owen calls her a label whore, which I haven't heard of that since about 2006. And she says, Owen, R&R. And then he kind of rephrases it like, your focus on labels and material goods troubles me. And then we find out that R&R is rephrase and redirect, which is part of his anger management. If he says something inflammatory, you can tell him rephrase and redirect and he will say it another way. Which I think we yeah. could all use some more of that in our daily life. I wish I could say that to people all the time. Be like, you know what? Yeah, I know. I have a client right now that I'm like, rephrase and redirect, please. I'm I'm going to start telling Andrew to say that to me, though, because sometimes I don't realize that I'm being rude. And I he's like, um, and not like outwardly rude, but just like my face or something is just like, you're being rude, you know. Sometimes I don't know. Sometimes it, the Boston just comes out and she I can't mean, help it. Okay. It, yeah. Like, Sometimes you're just like, that bitch is from the Northeast. And it's like, I am. Yeah. I am. Yeah. You know, you can take the bitch out of the Northeast, but you can't take the Northeast <laughs> out of the bitch. <laughs> That's what they say. It's out of the out. That's a very common phrase. Say. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's a very common phrase. Have you not heard that? Uh, yeah. I did have a moment the other day. I'm a big Billy Joel fan. Um, I actually liked Billy Joel before I met my husband, but then that kind of became our, speaking of music being common, unifier um my husband and i have vastly different tastes in music and billy joel was like our common thing mostly because my husband is from long island and so you're born and on your birth certificate it says your name and then it says you must by default love billy joel so a song uh billy joel we play a couple of the songs at work and only the good die young which is one of my favorites came on the other day and i was like oh it's one of my favorite billy joel songs and again these uncultured people <laughs> i'm just kidding they're just like no one knows anything about pop culture and i'm like how do you live on this planet um, and she was like, oh, I didn't even know this was a Billy Joel song. Like, she clearly knew who Billy Joel was, but I didn't realize. I was like, it's only one of his most popular songs. But okay. Who am I? Owen? Like, I sound so pretentious right now. I'm sorry. And, but I mean. But, like, come on, right? Right. Like, come on. And so I go, oh. And, again, I was like, I, I just, like, had to think of a reason, like, why I wouldn't. So I was like, oh, you know, like, all you have to do is marry someone from Long Island. And then you just, like, get Billy Joel knowledge through osmosis. And I was like, also, I already knew that. But I just, like, felt like I needed to say something, right now. But anyways, so yeah, speaking of just the Northeast, sometimes I, I do like to make fun of Mike for that. So I'm just like, well, just you're born and they're like, what's going to be your favorite Billy Joel song there, kiddo? <laughs> you're from Long Island. You must like him. <laughs> yeah. Kids in Boston, their first words are sweet Caroline. And <laughs> it just goes from there. You just can't. Yeah. Can't escape it. That's how it works. Yeah. That's how it works. Uh, but yeah. So, so. they... They drop Mallory off, Owen's sister, at his parents' store, which is, like, very earthy, crunchy. They talk about how there's vegan shoes, like, which is, like, horrendous in this time period. But, like, nowadays, vegan shoes yeah, are, like, like where is so trendy and, like, super expensive and, like, only fancy people have them. And, yeah, this is where Owen is, well, like, first of all, such a big brother, but also... Which I really, one of my favorite things about this book is Owen and Mallory's relationship, which we will get more into in the next, you know, few chapters, obviously. But 
Um, I love their their banter here. But this is where, of course, he's like, you listen to the Top 40 station and you listen to Bitsy Bones. And there's, you know, nothing great about her. And I love how much Mallory stands her own. Because, again, like, guys yeah. are so mean to women about their taste, about their everything, always. And, but specifically, you know, their taste in music, their taste in anything. And so she just like gives it back to him. And he's like, you know, she's known more for her belly button. And she's like, she has a great belly button. And so I put here, I was like, Mallory is the one who's enlightened. Like she is a, you know, a preteen girl and she is awesome. I love her so much. And I love that she likes what she likes and she's not going to have anyone, especially, you know, her big brother, like tell her otherwise that it's, it's not cool or whatever. And I was like, yes, girl, go off. <laughs> Owen would definitely have made fun of Swifties. Oh yeah. Yeah. He would hate how much we love Taylor Swift. Um, big, big time. And to him, I say to that, like, yeah, why, why you gotta come like us? You know, I'm doing, I think he would appreciate the fact I knew a few Owens in college and a lot of them would say that they liked that she played instruments and she wrote her own songs. Like they could respect her for that, but like the music wasn't in their, in their taste. Um, but yeah, I like that. It's like, whoa, which also it's like, what does that matter? Which like, yes, that is awesome of her. And she has an amazing talent, but like a lot of people, a lot of men don't write their own songs and they don't get shit on. So like, why is it when you're a woman, you have to work 10 times harder? Um, we all know why. Also, I was repping our podcast the other night on a show and I was like, hey, you know, even if you're not a Sarah Dessen fan, um, but you just like to listen to two women talk. And I was like, said no one ever. And so everyone else on the, the you know, thing we were on our friend Rob's show and they were all laughing or whatever. And so I'm putting the comments and they're like, is that legally allowed or two women? Like this person's being sarcastic. Is that legally allowed or two women allowed to have a podcast on their own with, without a man? And I was like, it's, yeah, it's a lot of work. You have to like fill out this paperwork, this special paperwork, and you have to get approved. But like, they let us do it. <laughs> it's like, I was like, obviously we need a male's opinion or I was like, what's the point? You know? But yeah, I we love passed. that everyone took, took that joke and ran with it. <laughs> we were, uh, Bethany's married and I'm about to be married to a cishet man. So we, they signed off on our permission yeah. slips. Yeah, they did have to sign permission that we were allowed to, these two lady folk were allowed to talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was very kind of them to do. We really appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much to our men who run yeah. our lives. Where would we kidding. be without them? <laughs> I think if anyone listens to this podcast, they definitely know that our husbands do not rule our lives. <laughs> They'd be like, that's clearly not true. <laughs> last night, last night, Andrew said he's gone full simp. <laughs> I was like, yeah. That is fantastic. You're like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. That is so true. Oh my god, that's so good. So yeah, I just love this whole thing. Oh, we do get y'all page one hundred five. So we're talking about all the CDs that he has because we drop off his sister at the parents' crunchy vegan store, and then he's like, "All right, I just gotta stop at the radio station real quick," which is where we find out that Owen hosts a local radio show at a very inconvenient time, apparently seven a.m. on Sunday morning. So he's not getting a lot of listeners, but you know, he's trying. We respect it. And so she's sitting in his car and she's like, once he disappeared inside, I started checking out some of the handwritten names on the CD cases. True Squad Opus is one of them. And it makes me so happy. Yes. True yes. Squad Opus. Yes. Oh my God. We love it. We love it so much. So yeah, that one made me squeal a little bit. I was 
very happy about that. We do meet Raleigh, who is wearing a helmet because he's this is the funniest job. He's an attacker at like a self-defense place, like where women learn to defend themselves against, you know, whatever dangerous men. And so he is like in his car and he's still wearing this like really ridiculous red helmet with like padding on it and stuff. And he's talking to Annabelle with this. And when Owen comes back out from the station, he's like, hey, Raleigh, just so you know, you're still wearing your helmet. (laughs) And this poor guy is like so embarrassed. Yeah, we get to meet his little co-host. They seem like a a little league of weirdos. So we respect that. We love that. Also, I want to say that... uh, I almost just called her. I almost just called Annabelle Mary Ellen. <laughs> Where did I get Mary Ellen from? Mary Ellen? I, oh I could not say. Anyway, her name is, is Annabelle. <laughs> and uh, she lives in the harbors, which is where... Um, Rogerson lived. Yeah. Now, all the, like, rich boys, didn't Macon live in the harbors as well? Like, all the rich boys lived there, I believe. Maybe I'm mistaken. I'm going to have to look at the spreadsheet. <laughs> but I, I Rogerson, Rogerson definitely lived there. But I think Macon may have also lived there as well, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So, yeah, he has a little 7 a.m. Uh, show. He said that they... He like took a class and then at the end of the class, you can write up a proposal and if they like it, they will let you have a show. So they did it. He liked it. And then he said, but then we got um, arrested. Then I got arrested and it kind of put everything back. And then she's like, oh, you got arrested. (laughs) And then she he's like, oh, she's like, yeah, I heard about it. And basically and he's like well then why did you ask and i thought that was funny um and then she says it's not true what you heard about me and he's like i haven't heard anything about you and then this is where we find out that he doesn't lie he's not a liar mm-hmm. never says a lie if there if he someone asks his opinion he's going to be honest and i yep. i respect that i feel I like i try too. to be that way as well yeah yeah he's like i don't go on my way to be mean to people like if you don't ask her opinion, I'm not going to tell you. But if you ask me an honest question, I'm going to give you an honest answer. And he says, which is true, like it, he found that it's not healthy for him to keep things bottled in. So he'd rather be honest and, um, you know, again, respectfully honest. And Annabelle is just like flabbergasted by this, which is a thing that is, I think, hard, especially for teenagers to understand, especially a teenager like Annabelle. And she's like, I mean, I'm not a liar. Because he's like, you just go around lying to people? And she's like, well, no. But, you know, sometimes, like, you have to, you know, basically have to tell a little, like, fib, a little white lie to to help spare someone's feelings. And he's like, no. Like, I no. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I respect him for that. I think it's, like, definitely, like, a gender thing as well. Not to, like, always bring it back to the feminism, but I'm gonna. Um, like, little girls and women are, like, conditioned to be, like, polite and nice and friendly, and little boys are told to be, like, honest and, and bossy and, like, cool. Blah, 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 blah. And so it's, like, more ingrained in women to, like, tell these little white lies, like, to be friendly or to be more well-liked, and also to, like, not get murdered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, that is the case. So they're driving back home to her house and they see they're two streets away and she sees Whitney 
basically sobbing in her car. Um, and Owen says, what's wrong? And she says, that's my sister. And he says, is she okay? And she said, no, she's not. But she doesn't stop. She's like, no, just take me home. Um, because, like, she knows Whitney is not going to be chill with her being like, knock, knock. Are you yeah. okay? So like, she, like. There's a reason that Whitney told her mom that she was going to the movie. And, like, it's clearly like she was going through something. So I think it's, like, Annabelle's like, yeah. I think she wanted to, like, be alone and have this moment. I'm not it's not going to show up with this stranger to her. And be like, hey, girl, how you doing? <laughs> So yeah, she just lets her have her moment, which is very sad that she's like in their neighborhood, like two streets away in the car, just like having a full on breakdown. Like, oh, poor girl. That's really sad. I know. I feel bad for her. I want, she should find Gwendolyn Rogers. Yes. I feel like it alone. I 100% agree. So he drives her home and she's like, which one is yours? And he's, she says the glass one. And he's like, oh, wow, that's really something. And she goes, people in glass houses. Which mm-hmm. is... Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like, thank you for the ride. And then this is when Whitney pulls up and she just like walks straight into the house. And uh, Annabelle says, hey, when's your show? He says, Sunday at 7 a.m. And he's like, all right, cool. I'm going to listen to it. And... And we love support. We, we love that. Yeah. And then she kind of goes into the house still. She still has Owen on the mind. And that's where we're leaving off. Eek. Things are starting. There's so many, like, questions to be answered. This whole Sophie thing, this thing with the Will, the Red Jeep guy. There's Mm -hmm. so much going on the family dynamic and, Mm -hmm. you know, Annabelle sticking up for herself and and not modeling anymore like she wants to not do. Um, And yeah, and I'm so excited to see more of Owen and Mallory. Like I said, from my reflection of this book, that's one of my like favorite bits is their relationship. So yeah, I'm so excited to continue reading and I just want to thank everyone for dealing with some uh potential insanity this episode and also just like yeah everyone more reading just listen like cut us some slack again not really us but michael ann because she's <laughs> if anyone has ever gotten married you know how crazy this time of your life is like that month leading up to it and there's just yeah there's a lot going on so i'll just cut us some slack okay we're doing our best yeah and... i'm doing my best <laughs> doing my very best this is me trying as taylor swift once so eloquently said and <laughs> <laughs> clearly I have her on the brain. The errors were changed my life, guys. And uh yeah. Oh, join us next week where we will have both seen the Eros tour. And so you can expect probably like a 45 minute long tirade yeah. where we discuss yeah. it in all of her genius. And oh my god. Oh! I am so excited. I'm gonna go into my full on discussion of certain numbers and just and pieces and yeah get excited everyone um we're excited if not, it's really to humor ourselves we're just gonna have a whole fangirl moment but i hope y'all enjoy listening to it as well and yeah come back next week we're gonna keep listening to to just listen and again remember everyone very special fourth of july it is our queen's favorite holiday and we will be um finishing up this book obviously over the next few weeks taking that two-week hiatus for mike land's 
wedding. And then we will have a yeah, very special 4th of July episode to come back. So keep listening. Stay enlightened, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Take care of yourselves. Take care of yourself. And brace yourselves for the 4th of July episode because it's going to be a good one, friends. It's going to be a good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, Alrighty. bye. Bye, everyone.